Welcome to this edition of Gabrielle Dolan's Authentic Leadership Podcast. Join Gabrielle as she speaks to well-known leaders on authentic leadership values and storytelling. The aim of this podcast is to encourage you to embrace authenticity in both the professional and personal context. The stories and experience of her guests will be a wonderful catalyst for others to learn from. Hello and welcome to this podcast. We are going live for this podcast and I am so excited because my guest today is an amazing woman that I actually met when we were doing a Harvard program together about five years ago. And uh, she then came and did my thought leadership program in New York about three years ago. And that, I always knew she had a book in her. She probably didn't know it at that point, but she has just written her book. So I would love to introduce um, Denise Koyazo, who has just published and just written a book called Thriving in the Fight, a survival manual for Latinas on the front lines of change. Welcome, Denise. Thank you. Thank you, Brown. It's great to be here. Thank you for uh, inviting me to come share with your your audience and with you, with you, all the amazingness that uh, I've learned from you. And I'm, I'm looking forward to this conversation. Excellent. So one of the first questions I often ask is why write this book? And so it probably came down to when when you did do my thought leadership program uh, a couple of years ago in New York, you sort of, I, I posed, a, I always pose a hypothetical about if you had to write a book, if you were going to write a book, what would you write about? And you answered that very much as a hypothetical, but tell us how it went from a hypothetical to a reality. Yeah, we, we basically, I think when I was asked that question, I was saying I would write about women of color in leadership and leadership and what does it take to set women of color up for success? I remember actually doing the work that you put together in our pink sheets and our green sheets. And some of the central ideas in the book came out from that very original thinking. So it was wonderful to have that opportunity to to think about what do women of color really need to hear? And also, what do I feel like I need to say? It was kind of that intersection. So uh, here's my, my book. I'm super excited. I, I have, I call it, it's like one of my babies and so uh, I have it right next to my daughter uh, on my screen. But yeah. It, it is, like, is it, is it, is it your favorite baby? Uh, no, <laughs> I can't admit to that. You can't. Yeah, no, we can't admit to it. Can we? No, we can't. No, admit to it. no definitely not. Definitely <laughs> not. But uh, yeah, so it's really, it's been a really wonderful uh, experience of going from just core ideas to getting them down on paper, losing the fear of saying things out loud and on paper to getting to a point of writing a book. And now we launch in a couple of weeks. So it's mm-hmm. been a really wonderful experience. Yeah. So I remember when you left that the thought leadership program, the two days we had in New York, um, you weren't going to write a book. You just thought, oh, I'm just going to increase my following on LinkedIn. I'm going to just write a few articles. I'm sort of going to slowly, slowly test the water. What happened? What happened to writing a book? I basically started with, well, first thing is that you told me I had to have a LinkedIn profile. And I was like, oh, please, really, is that the key to getting my ideas out there? And really, I mean, that was how basic it was. 
I had to then grow my LinkedIn following. And that's just a simple step, but it is a step, especially for Latinas. We have been taught by our faith, our family, and our culture and our experience to serve humbly from behind the scenes, to never expect any expectation of recognition or reward or any of that. And so just kind of poking my head out and doing those things of writing blog posts every six to nine, you know, four to six weeks or something, that was, that was a challenge. But one thing I found when I left that training experience, my creativity was on overdrive. I, I could not get my ideas down fast enough. I came out with really simple one page tools that I could use that really organized my thinking. And if, I won't show you my office because it's not perfect. I just moved, but there is a whole set of a wall with a whole set of files that have pink sheets and green sheets. And uh, really, those are some of the tools that if you don't know, Raoul teaches from, and they've been central to putting my ideas together. The ideas were already in there. The, the wisdom and the knowledge and the um, experiences were in there, but uh, you really helped me get them onto paper, out into the, out of my mouth. Uh, so I really appreciate your teaching, and it's been it's been wonderful. I mean, the idea of writing a book, you were so nonchalant about it when you talked about it. Oh, you know, uh, writing a book, it's, it's, it's a hard work, but it's also, if I can do it, you can do it. And that showed me like, okay, you know, she's, she's pretty cool. I like her. I, I, when we met at Harvard, I remember um, the funniest moment that I had with you was we uh, were going to a cocktail party and of course, I was a few minutes late. Everyone else was on the bus, ready to go. I was a few minutes late, and, and you looked at me, and you're like, so what's your excuse? <laughs> I said, I'm definitely going to love this woman. I am going to love this woman because she's direct and clear, and I like it. So, Oh, my God. I can't believe, I can't remember that. So I'm, I'm glad you took that as funny because, to me, it sounds very rude. <laughs> no, no, no. It was, it, was, it was in jest. It was very like, you know, so what's your, you know, what's your excuse? You know, everyone else is, like, dressed and ready. And I just thought, oh, I'm going to love her because she's, she's direct. She's spicy. That's funny. Yeah, I like that. Um, so the, the subtitle of the book, it's a survival manual for Latinas on the front lines of change. But I think it applies to a lot more than yes. than that. And I, the, some of the messages I love in the book um, is around, it's around this, like, you, t you talk about how you lead into your vision, how you've got to, like, live into the fullest version of yourself. And what I, you also talk about, you've got to love the past negatives that hold you back. So I, I think those, I think those key themes of the book would, would resonate with so many people. So can you just talk a little bit more about those three themes of the book? Yes. So I wrote the book and I aimed it towards Latinas, partly because I had never, I had never seen something that was directed, that was written by a Latina for a Latina in the field of work that I work in. And someone asked me a question recently that really touched me. She said, what would it have been like for you if someone would have handed you a copy of this book when you were starting out as a social justice leader? And honestly, it, it almost brought me to tears, the idea that something would be written to me or for me. And I think there's, you know, there's not enough written by Latinas. There's not enough written for Latinas. And at this moment, I think every country
community is asking themselves, you know, what is my role? What, you know, what, do, what does my racial group have to contribute right now to this moment where really as a world, we're coming at a, a real racial reckoning. And so, of course, you've done it. I've done it. We've had a vision of something that we thought about, but we'd never seen before. And you lead into it when you, um, you know, there's times when we show up at places where that weren't actually made for us. So I've been to various large gatherings at the national level or even at the local level. And when you go to a multiracial space, what I have found is that oftentimes you see the Latinas, the, the women who are from Latin American, um, you know, heritage, Hispanic, other people would use different terms, but Latina women often sit very far back in the room. They sit closest to the door. And I'm really encouraging people to live into the fullest sense of of themselves to live into the fullest version of you, even in places that maybe you feel might not have been made for you. And that includes sometimes corporate boardrooms, it includes uh, capital buildings, it might include uh, being on camera, it might be writing. So living into the fullest version of you, that version that you show up when you're in the most powerful sense of yourself. And then the loving past negatives, I think, I've seen you do this route where you talk about how you didn't love English as a, as a student. And even so you pushed forth and wrote X number of books. So many, I can't even count at this point. Um, so we are often dealt negatives, whether it's negative voices, negative experiences. And the goal really is to love past them and to move into your vision. And, and that's what I'm really encouraging because I believe that we can be exponentially more impactful when we're thriving than when we're simply surviving or even sometimes surrendering in the fight for social justice, economic justice, political justice. But what I have found, like you said, is when you have this conversation with students, with doctors, with people who are uh, in different fields, the, the message tends to resonate, and it's been really interesting to talk with people of various backgrounds about some of the messages in the book. And mm. uh, a lot of what I, what I talk about really comes out of um, the, the mistakes I've made. And so, you know, laying out, putting yourself out there and showing ways that, yeah, you know, we all fall down, and it's how you get up that matters. Yeah. I love one of your messages also is about being authentic and being you. And I think the love your past negatives like really falls into that. Um, you know, I, I will often talk about, you know, I, I failed English in my final year of school, but I've just published six books. And a lot of people go, why, why would you even admit that you'd failed English? It was like, because I did. I did. Yes. Um, yes. So, yeah, so I think that really falls into authentic. I, I love a line on your book that you've sort of talked about there is that um, it's helping women of colour um, to move from this, this, to move to the centre from the corners to which they have sometimes been relegated. And I see that, you know, even in a corporate world um, and not even women of colour, sometimes just women, yes. like physically walking past a, a meeting room and there'll be the men will be sitting at the table and sometimes the women are sitting back and literally in the corners like there's not enough room at the table but it always seemed to be the women and i have physically 
literally seen that and walked past going, there's something wrong with that. So what, one of the things I love about your book too, it's not just written for you know, women, I guess, that have been pushed to the corners. It's written also for the people that lead, that lead women and help them, help them come to the centre. So um, can you talk us a little bit about that too? So the book, the book's for, you know, for that audience as well. Yes, I, I wanted to make it really clear to my Latina sisters that I was, tell, I was speaking directly to them. And um, it also, you know, women of colour more broadly, are uh, many of them have had very similar experiences to what I lay out as a Latina. And then also we, you know, we are encouraging the broader audience of people who are, who like to think of themselves or want to be allies and supporters to understand the experiences of women of color. And what you said is so true. I was just talking recently to a group of women and uh, two, two different situations, but one, the woman was, she's the owner of an auto parts store. And I asked her, I said, how many times have people walked in and asked you for the owner? And, you know, she said, every single day this happens to me. Uh, another one of my friends is a doctor and she often gets, assumed, they assume that she's the nurse. So they're like, I need to speak with the doctor. And then she, she you know, is faced with that strange situation. So it's both for the individual person. And sometimes we are the leader. Sometimes we are, as a woman of color, as we're seeing in US politics, there's an, you know, we have our first uh, woman vice president, our first woman of color, first black woman uh, as a vice president who got sworn in by the Puerto Rican Supreme Court justice. So we're seeing women being in leadership roles more, more um, common and more uh, fully. And the goal is to make sure that as leaders, we don't then recreate those same patterns of having tables that are too full for other people to sit at. Yeah. I was going to actually ask you about the um, uh, Kamala Harris and the election. What, what did that moment, like, what did that moment mean to you? What is, what did, what impact do you think that will have? As a Puerto Rican woman, to have two Puerto Rican women on the stage for a presidential inauguration was unimaginable. And then I love the fact that Justice Sotomayor, whose book I have right here, uh, who's you know one of the people I is on my bucket list of people to meet, but she was supporting the leadership of our first black and South Asian vice president. That's what I think is really important is that we need to, as Latinas, we need to follow the leadership in, especially in the United States of the um, black women, the Afro Latinas who have really paved the way for um, many of the civil rights fights that have happened. So for me to see so many, and then Andrea Gorman, who she lived into the fullest version of herself on the world stage that was just beyond uh imagine it was unimaginable and it was that's part of what i think we're looking to see I, I i'm curious when i think about amanda gorman if she would have shown up a lot of corporate spaces with the yellow coat and the red prada head headset would she have been i'm sorry head what do you what do you call it yeah <laughs> would she have been told to tone it down mm. yeah um, would she have been welcomed in her fullest 
sense, even though she had a bit of a speech uh, issue in the past. So I just think that that moment was was really amazing to see black and brown women working together to uh, make things better for our families, but also for all of our families. Mm. It, um, when I saw that, it actually reminded me of, of one of the lessons that we actually uh, learnt at Harvard, and they talked about it a lot. And that is that you know you you, you can't be what you can't see, and yes. I think I think that helped with that. Hey Denise, one of the things I love about when you write is your stories. You have great stories, and I love reading your blog posts and your articles. One of the favourite stories I read in your book, uh, it was almost like in the introduction about when your the advice your dad gave you when you went to school, and he literally said, if a girl picks a fight with you, punch her in the nose right there and then, and don't wait till after school when she's got all her friends with her, because then it's an unfair fight. Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking, oh man, I love your dad. <laughs> Because <laughs> most parents would not give that advice and it would be very, oh, no, no, no. But tell, what's your favourite story of the book? Yeah, that, that, that is a great story. Um, I think my favourite story in the book, I mean, I love that. Uh, that, is, that is one moment where, you know, you really realise that where I came from, right? My dad grew up in the Bronx. But I think for me, the, my favourite story in the book is the story about Joanna Bencomo. And it really goes to the point you just made about you cannot envision something that you haven't seen before. And Joanna is a, a, a young woman who was running for city council in her town. She showed up. She was basically with her mother and her grandmother. They were driving through a somewhat wealthier part of her district that she was running for. And they were knocking on doors. And she explained that the young the, the men who were painting the house asked her, you know, what she was doing. And they asked her, oh, are you here looking to clean houses? And she said, no, I'm running for city council. And later she described that moment as the most heartbreaking and magical moment of her campaign because she felt like people had a picture of three Latina women driving around a wealthy neighborhood to try to find houses to clean. But even her own people couldn't imagine a young person going out knocking on doors to run for city council. The next day she won her election and she continues in that role now. But for me, that's my favorite story in the book. Yeah, that that is a that is a great story. Um, just practicality. How did you go about getting all these stories and case studies for the book? Did you just reach out to as many people as as you could? Actually, I tried to like when you talk about leading authentically, we all have to lead in the way that is comfortable to us. I love on your um, your brand and your logo. You have yourself sitting down, you know, with with. I just I think that's really important. So what I did was I convened a group of. 12 people who served, who are serving and served as my advisory board. And as we fleshed out some of the concepts in the book, I offered the opportunity to, for people to write stories or to tell, tell me their stories. And as time went along, you know, I would experience different things with them and they would share their stories. So a a lot, a number of the stories that are in the book are from the advisory board. And so it's partly my way of bringing along a community of people with me as we go through this learning experience of 
what does it mean to write a book? What does it mean to write a book in Spanish? How do we do this? What, is, what does a publisher do? I mean, all these things, we're all learning it together. So that's, that's a big, that's a way that I brought in a lot of other stories, plus my own experience with the movement. And truthfully, um, Raul, I, when I went to that women and power program at, at the executive education at Harvard, and I, I think I, I pulled you aside and I said, I really want to talk to you because at that point I was panicked about speaking in public. I had zero confidence. And the idea of developing a simple story to communicate your message felt like I can do that. And for some reason I had developed a, a, a bit of a fear of speaking in public and uh, you, the idea of telling stories, oh, we do that. In our family, I don't know what you all do, but in our family on Thanksgiving, everyone sits around in a circle and we just tell stories and laugh and, and laugh till we cry. So it's a kind of authentic part of who I am, but also you helped uh, shape that in a way that has been really fun. And to the, to the point that I think I called you from, I was at dinner with a friend of mine and I called you and said, hey, hey, there's this restaurant in Florida that has a great brand story. Come look at, you know, take it out. So even when we weren't together, I, I had remembered a lot of what we learned together. Yeah, I, I distinctly remember that you you would uh, you let me know about this um, Spanish restaurant in Florida um, who had stories on their menus, and you you just told me about it, and you were really excited. And I got in and looked at it, and not they not only had stories on their menu, their stories were all over their website. They were the just most engaging company stories about how the company founded. It's like. Um, and then I, I, I actually, so I actually contacted them Did and you? spoke oh, to them, and and they, uh, they're one of my favourite case studies in in my my latest book. So, yeah, so my latest book, Magnetic Stories: Connect with Customers and Engage Employees with Brand Storytelling. Is similar to you, I spoke to a lot of people, but some companies were doing amazing stuff. So, um, they they sort of have a chapter by themselves. And and Columbia Restaurant, which where it was, gets a whole chapter to themselves. So I, I even, I, I, I talk about that you introduced me to them. So, so yeah. the power of stories. And, and I love in your book, your use of stories. So, and maybe I'm a little bit biased because <laughs> your, your book is sort of how I write anyway. It's, it, your book's full of a lot of practical tips and insights, but a really nice combination of your own stories. Um, and the stories for of others that really it really brings all the concepts to life and and you know to me it's it's through the stories you really understand the message yeah well thank you thank you and I, I I find the same as you know with magnetic stories I feel like part of, you are continuing to hone this concept of how important it is for us to think about our brand and certainly I had not thought about what is my brand or what is our brand as our organization? And, you know, over time you've sharpened that message and you continue to make it's, it's even more important in this moment when people are, you know, the many things that you talk about COVID, the, uh, the moment of, you know, customers who want to buy things that are in line with their values and uh, also how important it is for people to be inspired at this moment. So I just, I, I really um, encourage folks to pick it up, get it, pre-order it. It's, it's going to be great. I have uh, at least one of her books on my, on my thing. I've got a 
stories for work and real communication. They've been uh, really great. Uh, and one time I did, a, I read your interviews for work right before I was going to do um, an interview for this national position. And it really helped me prepare. I didn't get the job, but I sharpened my own understanding. It was, it was hard to not get that big national job that I had been sort of aiming for in my, in my hopes. But it really helped me to think about my gifts and my gaps. And now as I look back, not getting that national position was really the best thing that ever happened to me because it helped me uh, dig into some things that I really you know, have found to be very important in my own leadership. So, mm. I um, yes, I, I was going to say it was the best thing that you didn't get that job. So, oh, one, yes, <laughs> one of um, one of the things that you know, and and both our books are out at the same time, but there's a really nice overlay, and because one of the things I talk about in the book is brand, like being know what you want to be known for, know what you want to be known for, and then actively do stuff that sort of demonstrates that and amplifies that. And I think sometimes when we talk about, you know, the woman in the corner, she everyone has a brand, but her brand might be, um, you know, they're, they're just quiet observer, you know, they, they're just a good hands-on helper. And it's a brand that people are projecting on them. And it's almost like, how do they go, well, no, I don't want to be known for that. I want to I want to be in the centre. I want to make a stand. So it's helping be very clear on what it is you want to be known for and then both doing things and sharing stories about that demonstrate that. And it can change. It can change the perception of what people think of you, which, you know, will then maybe that'll you get a promotion or you get opportunities or, you know, people want to work for you or they want to employ you or whatever it is or they want to buy, buy you or buy your product. So, yeah. Yeah. No, it's yeah. true. It's really – it's and, I mean, I think, you know, for me – I changed my Twitter handle to Denise Thriving. And I have a picture of what to me looks like thriving. And when you write a book about thriving, you have to, I mean, you look at when were the moments when I wasn't thriving and what does thriving look like for me? And that's been a good question to ask people. What does thriving look like? You know, for you, Raul, what does thriving look like? Thriving to me, sort of, I guess it's a great question. Um, to me, it's when you're in flow, when you when you feel like you're uh, living your full potential, when you feel capable of doing it, when you feel really well supported to like almost live your dream. And I think when you're in the flow, um, setbacks can happen, but they don't they don't stop you. They just might set you back, but they don't they stop you. So that that's what thriving means to me. I think when you're when you're living to your full potential and everything feels like it's in flow? Yeah. It's been a great question to ask people because everyone has a different image in their head of what it looks like. And then I encourage them to, to ask the question, okay, well, how do you answer the question when people ask you how you're doing today? Because often, especially during the COVID lockdowns, people's answers have been very different. Oh, you know, I'm just like trying to get by. Um, and so I think the book is really about trying to build that gap between, you know, how you might be feeling on a daily basis and what it will take for you. I think of, for me, thriving is uh, when I was a kid riding my bike down the hill with the wind and, you know, the wind and sun in your face. That is kind of an image I have of thriving. 
And that's you know, when you're doing that time doesn't exist, right? You just <laughs> it's work, you know. You've reminded me a time when I was about 14 and me and my cousin were riding our skateboard down this hill that we'd never ridden down before, not knowing that how steep it was. And I, I just remember going faster and faster and faster and thinking I am going to fall off. So I veered over to the, the lawn and I jumped off because I thought I'm going to fall off, off on grass as, as opposed to asphalt. And um, anyway got a big scar my hip my hip bone was sticking out but you know I was 14 I was really skinny it didn't take much for my hip bone it was probably just a graze actually so yeah thanks you thank you for reminding me of that that memory but that is it was thriving up until the point where I thought I'm in too far I'm going too fast yes yeah Yeah. hey Denise where can people buy your books I assume it's from all the normal regular Amazon and sellers but where can they get it yes um, they can go to denisecoyaso.com and we have a link that sends you Barnes and Noble. We are encouraging people to try to uh, use Barnes and Noble or other sources um, as a way of uh, kind of, you know, supporting the fact that many book companies, in particular Amazon, is very, uh, very hard on the Latino communities. They, are, they have many policies that are hurtful to our community. So I've asked many people to consider not buying it on Amazon. We're running a big pre-order campaign. And uh, to this point, we have, I think, more pre-orders than anyone in our, uh, in, in our publishing company except for Parker Palmer. But I'll take, you know, I'll take it. Yeah. So, so the pre-orders are now. So when does it actually hit? When do we go February live? 23rd, February 23rd. February 23rd. So, um that is that is pretty close pretty close yes yes excellent well thank you denise it's been fabulous to talk to you again i always love it when we get the opportunity to catch up whether it's you know harvard or new york or 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 zoom now it's always good um i really encourage people to buy this book it is like it is such a book even though the subtitle is for latinas um it's it really is for anyone that I think wants to step out, that wants to find their voice, that that for some reason, for whatever reason, has sort of been relegated to the corners and they sort of go, no, I'm, I'm, I, I want a seat at the table. In fact, I want to stand on the table. So I think it's for those people um, and also for people who lead those people because you've, you, ha- you have to give them a hand. You have to put that hand and welcome to the table and help them step up on the table if that is, in fact, what they want. So I think it's a really, really timely book, um, and I would highly recommend uh, anyone in leadership or anyone who wants to be a change agent or, or anyone that wants to live their fullest life to have a read of it. Thank you. Any, any final words for you from you, Denise? Oh, you know, you're only – basically, we can only tell our own story. We're the only person who can tell our own story, so I would just encourage – everyone who's watching to, to, you know, be brave, tell your story, uh, find ways that you can thrive. And, um, you know, just thank you, Raul. It's great talking to you. Yeah, I love Thrive. Find a way to thrive today and then find a way to thrive tomorrow. Thanks, Denise. It's been fabulous. Thanks. Bye-bye. We hope you have enjoyed this podcast in the Authentic Leadership Series. Visit the resource library on Gabrielle's website to access a collection of free material on business storytelling and thought leadership.